All right. One of the biggest issues with free market Christianity is that it's like herding cats. Um, you, today, today is the day of, it's the church age, but culturally, it's free market Christianity. You want to start a church, you can start a church. You want to start a denomination, start a denomination. You want to put in your own theology, put in your own theology, whatever. It's free market. Do whatever you want. And boom, it's, it, it's just there. And so, it can be very confusing for the body of Christ because, okay, now I've got like a thousand different variations of Christianity to choose from. You know, I mean, it's like trying to pick cereal at Walmart. It's a tricky thing. And uh, there's just too many things that, you know, you want to just grab something, but there's too much to figure out. And so we've got all these different things going on in all these different directions. And it's just the body of Christ is just whoosh, and it's hard to get people working together as a group moving forward. But if we aren't getting together as a group and moving forward, we're not going to realize the potential of the body of Christ. Right? And so we need to be working together. We can see the fruit of that with the Wood City worship nights that have been going on once a month. Man, oh man, oh man, uh, we've done worship nights here before, just us. And, you know, everybody's invited, but, you know... 20 people come and it's great. But you're always thinking, man, the potential. And other churches have done worship nights and 15, 20, 25 people show up and nice. But man, the potential. But now, bunches of people are coming together. I don't think we've had a a worship night that's had less than 100 people yet. And... I mean, there was probably 120, 130 people here on Monday night, and it was just electric. You know what I mean? Like, it was awesome. And that's what happens when God's people come together. When, when we serve God together, you know, it's fine to have different churches as long as we're on the same team. Just like in our church, we've got different small groups. That's not a fractured church. That's just different small groups. And as long as churches work together for the greater body of Christ, even though there are differences and you know all that sort of thing, um, if we're on the same team working together, doing our best to be unified for the kingdom of God, then good things will happen. And so we need to encourage that in the greater body of Christ and of course with the local congregation, with Good Hope Church, We need to be unified and going the right direction. And so that's why we cover vision. It's our compass. Helps us to know if we're getting off track or if we're continuing in the the line that the Lord has called us to. And so this is our vision statement. And Trinette is out in the foyer. So if we quickly do it, we can do the hand motions. But she's just coming in. She hates hand motions. But we're going to do them anyway. Yeah, look at that. I'm in trouble now. I'm going to have to buy her a present. All right, so our our vision statement is reach up, rise up, reach out. This is our compass. This is what Good Hope Church is all about. Reach up, rise up, reach out. If we get off of that, we're off of what God has called us to do. If we do that, we know He will be with us. And so let's do the hand motions. We got reach up. That's this. Connecting with the living God. We got rise up. 
out of the junk that's pulling us down into who God has called us to be and then reach out. Reach out. Be outward focused. Looking to do the Great Commission. Looking to serve the Lord in a tangible way in this world. Reach up. Rise up. Reach out. Let's find Good Hope's vision statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 6-2. This is a wonderful, 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 wonderful chunk of Scripture. Just a few verses and amazingly profound. So much stuff packed in these few verses. First, or 2 Corinthians 5-17-6-2. Even just, well, we could spend the whole day on verse 17, right? Look at that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Hallelujah. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For He says, in the time of my favor I heard you, And in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. We have a wonderful opportunity in in front of us. What an amazing chunk of Scripture. Isn't that... Let's read that again. I want to read that again from the beginning. Because it's just... There's some depth in there. Let's go to 17. Read through it maybe a little bit faster this time. But I could read that all day. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Man, we have an opportunity in front of us. Reach up. A personal relationship with the living God is available to all of us. When I was a a new Christian, I was... sort of obnoxious, uh, but only to Christians, not to other people. 
And I went to a Bible study one time uh, when I was in college. And there's all the good Christians there, you know, and all that stuff. And so I asked them, I said, so do you guys have a personal relationship with Jesus? And they're like, yep, we sure do. And I said, you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I'm like, yep. Like, okay, what's his favorite color? You know, like, tell me about him. What do you, what do you mean? You, you, you play sports with him or do you, do you hang, what do you, what are you saying? When you say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because I think a lot of people have grown up in church and they know they're supposed to say that. But they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They just know they're supposed to say that. But let me tell you, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And verse 20 explains a piece of that. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. What is the appeal of God? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Have you ever had a situation in a relationship where you need reconciliation? What does it mean to be reconciled? It means that you reestablish the personal relationship. Now, some people have never had a relationship with God, though God created them, so there is a relationship. They just may never have been aware of it, but they need reconciliation. And there are people who have been walking with God and who have walked away from God because like in so many relationships, sometimes there's a spat or a a thing that happens. And have you ever gotten mad at God and like not talked to Him for a while? Well, you need to be... (laughs) I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We can have a personal relationship with God and it's a little bit hard to talk about because isn't it an internal thing? I can't show it to you. I can say it's there. And I can implore you to be reconciled to God. But let me tell you, you can be reconciled to God beyond thinking proper theological thoughts. You can have a relationship with the living God. You can be reconciled to God. Um, So, reach up is connecting with God. Of course, there's the the start of that relationship. There's the, the moment where you say, Lord, I will follow you. I will serve you. I give you my life. And you you initiate that relationship with God. Now, the relationship we have with God is not a peer relationship, is it? I I, I like that, that song, you know, I am a friend of God. That's great. But understand, we're not peers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, me and God, it's not like we're, yeah, you know... Uh, We can have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And I can be a friend of God, but I need to understand there's a hierarchy here. I am a friend of God, but I am a worshiper of God. So my relationship with God, when I am reconciled to God, is a worship relationship. It's a a love relationship. It's a prayer relationship. I can learn more about God by reading the Scriptures. I can learn about God by by serving God and seeing His empowering through the Holy Spirit. I can develop that relationship in many different ways. 
But it's worship, prayer, study, and then... You know, you can read the Bible in two different ways. You can let it be the living Word of God, or you can read it as a historical document. Let it be the living Word of God. Let it speak to your heart. Let the the words on the page and the Holy Spirit work together to help you develop that relationship with God. We can have a personal relationship with God. Once we have it, we need to continue it. Um, I graduated from high school in 1987. Nobody else? Is that... Yeah, woo! All right, 87. Um, there are people I graduated with that I haven't seen or talked to since that day, the end of May 1987. Do I have a personal relationship with those people? No. I went K through 12 with them. But since it's been several years, (laughs) lots of time, however long that is, um, 28 years, I think, I I don't have a relationship with them now. It's been neglected. It's been let go. And so, if you're going to have a personal relationship with God, if you're going to reach up, it's not a one-time thing and you're done. We have to continue that relationship. We have to continue to pray, continue to worship, continue to read the Word and familiarize ourselves with the things of God, continue to serve, and let that relationship continue to grow. Reach up. We want to walk in this world with God. What an opportunity we have. Reach up. Rise up. If you have a personal relationship with the living God, it will change you. Amen? That's what you can tell if you actually have a personal relationship or if you just know what to say because people have taught you what to say is if you're actually being changed on the inside. Because I tell you, a personal relationship with the living God will change you. You know, the friends you hang out with affect you. If you're hanging out with God, it will affect you. You will be changed. And that's what we get in verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if they have this relationship, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now that's powerful. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. How, how, how gone is the old? I mean, it's gone. In the spirit world, it is gone, gone. There might be some you're still shaking off in the natural. You know what I mean? Like you got an anger issue or something. You're still shaking that off. You know, it sometimes comes back on. You know, I heard one preacher one time say, the old man found out about the resurrection and wants to get in on it too. You know, like <laughs> sometimes the old comes back. Um, but I tell you, the truth in the spirit is that we are completely free. Because if Christ has set us free, we are free indeed. And so we need that spiritual truth to show itself in the natural world. But it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. How many people have been labeled something they don't want to be labeled? 
What this says is that label does not belong to you. That's not who you are. Because the old is gone and the new has come. In Christ, that label is erased. And it is not you. Don't identify with it anymore. It isn't who you are. The old is gone. The new has come. Hallelujah for that. Let's rise up. And rise up out of the old that's been pulling you down for decades into the new. Into what God has called you to be. Into who God created you to be in the first place. It's tragic that people live their lives and never get to be who God created them to be. Because they're just mired in junk. Don't let that happen to you. Be who God created you to be. Reach out. Let's read um, 5, 18 and 19. 18. All this is from God. That is, We just read 17, which is the old is gone, the new has come. We're a new creation, a new creature. We have a new identity. That's why they got new names. You know what I mean? Like, Simon was Simon, the goofball who kept overreacting. And then he said to Jesus, you are the Christ. And he said, all right, your name is Peter. You are Rock. He got a new name, a new identity. The old was gone, the new had come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us something. When we're reconciled to God, it's not just that we're reconciled to God, it's that He gives us something. Look at what He gives us. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And when you receive that gift, you don't use it up. But now you can give that same gift to as many human beings as will receive it for the rest of your life. You can offer that gift and it multiplies. We are reconciled to God and we are given the ministry of reconciliation. We're given the opportunity to share that message to anyone who will hear it and will believe it. Reach out. We've been given something. An opportunity to make a difference. An opportunity to see someone who's stuck in the old, who needs to be made new, and to be able to give them that. Isn't that amazing? God is good. He's got good plans. So let's do that, huh? Reach up, rise up, reach out. Do we do it? Do we in? Woo! What if we didn't? What would the opposite of reach up, rise up, reach out be? Reach down. Here's, here's what I came up with. 
Here's what I, here's the anti, the anti vision statement. Ignore God, stagnate, and consume. Ignore God or neglect God. Instead of reach up, just forget. Stagnate, instead of rising up, you just, and then consume. Rather than reach out, rather than be productive, rather than make, take, consume. How many, how many churches do you think might be characterized by ignore God, stagnate, consume? Because you can do church without God, right? Sure can. I mean, it's bad church, <laughs> you know, uh, but you can, you can do it. You can be stagnant. It's harder to look at yourself and make progress than it is to just stay the same. You know, people want change, but they don't want to change. So it doesn't work. Because they don't look at, you know, it's hard to look at yourself. We've already got all these insecurities about who we are, and then we want to look at all the everything that's wrong with us and try to fix it. You know, that's hard to do. It's painful. I told the the youth group about I got videoed one time uh, for a... I, I've only took a couple classes. This was at Oak Hills in Bemidji. I took a preaching class. And uh, they videotape you while you're doing your message. And then they play it in fast-forward to see what your mannerisms are so that you can not have those mannerisms anymore. And so they, I did my thing and you know, and I've got this, this beautiful thing I'm presenting and, and they just, you can't even hear what the person's saying, of course, because it's in super fast forward. And all I'm doing is this, you know, and I'm like, Oh man, have you ever seen me do that? I'll tell you why, because I got to see it, but it was, it was painful to watch, you know, and when we're already insecure with who we are, we got self-esteem issues, we don't want to look at our faults, but man, if you want change, you have to change, and in order to do that, you got to look at yourself, but hallelujah, we have a God that loves us, who washes us clean. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We don't need to worry about whether or not we're good enough because it's not about us, it's about Him making us good enough. And He has made us good enough. So hallelujah for that. He knew what He was making when He made us. So don't be shocked. Don't. My, it's a ring. Don't be shocked that you're imperfect. God isn't shocked either. Again, He made you. So He knows you got issues and He made a plan. Look at that. Ignore God, stagnate, consume. I think I'm going to skip those next ones. Alright. Um, did you know it's a sin to ignore God? It is. It's a sin to ignore God. Did you want proof? I, let's go to let's go to Hebrews chapter two. Um, <laughs> Hebrews two one through three. 
We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Is it possible to drift away from what we've heard? Oh, man. Verse 2. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. How shall we escape if we ignore? Most, this is the NIV, most versions, King James and virtually every other uh, version that I've read, says neglect. How shall we escape if we neglect? Such a great salvation. It's a sin to neglect our relationship with God. It's a sin to neglect our purpose in Christ. We are to do what He called us to do. We are to, we are to grow. We are expected to grow. We're not supposed to stagnate. Is stagnating fun? How many people have been in a stagnant stage in life at some point? That's no fun. Uh, the only thing worse is actually looking at your issues so you can get better. But do that, <laughs> and then you can get better. Uh, we are to grow, and then we are to produce. Um, this is very, very significant. John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. And if you're familiar with this, um, Jesus describes uh, a plant, like the church as a plant. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What happens if we don't reach out? If we just take? If we're, you know, on a tomato plant, if we're just one of those branches that has leaves and then none of the little flowers that are going to turn into tomatoes, you snip them off, right? just taken from the plant. That's exactly what he says here. Cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. We are to do these things. We need to reach up. We need to rise up. We need to reach out. So, um, <clears throat> let's talk practically for a little bit. We're going to build a building addition. Woo! And that's fraught with potential pitfalls. Right? Here's the most dangerous one. We stop being a church and start being a construction company. That's the most dangerous pitfall because our vision, what God has shown me I should lead you into, is reaching up to God, establishing and maintaining that relationship rising up, getting better at being a Christian, getting better at serving and following Christ, and then reaching out, making a difference in this world for the Gospel, for the truth, being ministers of reconciliation uh, in, in its various ways. Uh, cleaning a bathroom is important for that. It's essential, in fact, or else it wouldn't happen. Um, every ministry in the body of Christ is essential because we're all interdependent. We're not called to be a construction company. Um, but the new addition will be a wonderful tool for the vision. If it becomes a false god, we're in trouble. If it becomes a tool for the vision, we're right on track. 
We're right on track. Now, what can we do with that tool? I'm excited about the potential because not only will it help us have less congestion in the entryway when we're having church and that sort of a thing, which is kind of a pain. Won't it be nice to be able to like go into the fellowship area and hang out and talk with somebody for a while instead of being all cramped and, and loud and all that, you know, you have a little bit more space, you can hang out, sit down at a table and talk for 15 minutes if you want to. Wouldn't that be great? Improve the connecting time. We'll also, of course, be able to provide a reasonable children's area. They'll have their own whole big area for the elementary age. There will be a, a nursery and a preschool in separate rooms down in the, the lower level of the addition. We'll add families just right away because, man, what do you do? Your two-year-old starts screaming, where are you going to go? It's tough to do because you go out there, well, children's church is going on. I mean, it's just, it's not easy. We're not well designed for families with little kids. I'm so thankful that people are putting up with what we got right now. Uh, but the greater vision of the completed building is going to be great. We'll be able to minister to families effectively on Sundays. We'll be able to do small groups on Sunday morning right here. You can just do a small group in the fellowship hall around a table. we got classrooms downstairs. You can do a small group down there and then come to church. Or you can go to church first and then have a small group. Meet your, your people that you're building relationship with. Boy, that's a big deal. Especially if you do a devotional-based small group. Because then you do your daily devotions, you have your small group connected stuff, and you have your big group uh, deal all wrapped up into one. It's huge. We'll be able to do all age ministries on Wednesday nights. We'll be able to have everything from nursery to adult small groups on Wednesday night all in one place. You can show up, you got a, a baby, a six-year-old, a 15-year-old, and two parents. You can all come and all receive ministry in one place at one time. Start at the same time, finish at the same time. Boom! Awesome, right? That'll be great. I'm excited about that. The potential is significant. Now, here's the question. I described a whole bunch of different things. Does a building addition do those things? No. People do those things. You can see the building addition is a tool. It doesn't do it. A hammer does not build a house. A carpenter does. But a carpenter needs a hammer. The church does, the, the people of the church do the ministries of the church. But we need the right tools. And that addition is just a tool. We need to make sure we don't get off the vision into becoming a construction company. We still need to be a church. Amen? I think you guys are on board with that. Now, it's a fun rallying point. It's exciting to build an addition. You know, it's going to be cool. We should enjoy the process. But realize we're building a tool that we'll then have to put into use. Because big deal, you buy a hammer and put it on a shelf. You buy a hammer and you start swinging that thing. Build that addition. We're going to use it. Hallelujah. We're going to eat stuff. You know, we're going to have a kitchen. How have we been able to succeed to this extent without food? 
You know, like it's a, we are countercultural to Christianity. Um, but the building isn't going to do any of the work for us. We have to. But good news, here we are. We can do it. I've told my boys in wrestling, I want you to, you know, give it everything you've got. And then I tell them, the good news is, you have that. (laughs) You're capable of giving it all you've got. You have it. Go ahead. It's not scary. Just do it. Here we are. We can do it. We're going to close. I'm going to invite the uh, prayer team. How much prayer team do we have? Okay. We got ourselves a wonderful prayer team. I'm going to read a scripture that the more I read it, and as the years go by, I've been a believer now 25 years or something like that. As the years go by, I believe it's more true all the time. You know, of course, the Bible's true, right? But sometimes you read something and and you're like, yeah, I guess. And then you read it and you're like, yeah. And then you read it and you're like, yes. You know, and and it just gets in you deeper and deeper and you start to see it. That's this, John 4, 35 and 36. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? So what Jesus is saying to his disciples Don't you guys say that, yeah, when this happens and this happens and this happens, then we'll be able to do something. Then we'll be able to make a difference. Later, when it all comes together. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Don't you say four months more? You know, so many people are like, yeah, you know, this world is going away from God. And, you know, all they, and they just paint this negative picture. There are people all over the place that want to be reconciled to God. That want to get out of the old and into the new that want to live a life of purpose. They're all over the place. The field is ripe for the harvest. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's a precious gift. Let's use it. I'm going to close in prayer. And I'll open up the front for personal prayer. So let's pray. Father, we just honor You. We thank You, Lord, that we can have that relationship with You. That we can be on speaking terms with You. That's amazing. Lord, help us to get better. We know we are Your ambassadors. We are representatives of You. And so if we're doing a bad job, it's going to reflect on You. So help us to get better. And Lord, the fields are ripe for the harvest. Let us be good harvesters. Let us continue to sow seed as that as that word says there in John 4, but let us be harvesters at the same time. Praise You, Lord. Let us seek You, Your purposes, and walk in Your ways.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on down for personal prayer. If you're, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I can say I have a personal relationship with Christ, but I'm not really sure if I really do. They'll pray with you. If you have any other need, physical need, uh, financial need, whatever it may be, come on down for personal prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a uh, wonderful day in the Lord. Say some, something to somebody you don't know and encourage them today.